Tonight on Throwback Thursday, as Tune FM celebrates 50 years, 1994. The long, bloody road to equality in South Africa ended in joyous celebration in 1994. At 75, Nelson Mandela, once jailed for treason and sabotage, became president, ending three centuries of white minority rule. We're joined by UNE's very own Helen Ware to discuss the election and inauguration of Nelson Mandela as president of South Africa in 1994. The time for the healing of the wounds has come. This is 50 years of Tune FM 1994. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. This is Throwback Thursday, 1994, and we are so lucky to be joined by UNE's very own Helen Ware to discuss a very, very significant event from 1994. How are you today, Helen? Very well, thank you. It's great to have you on the show, and we're going to be discussing something that you're actually uh, a very big expert on, actually, far more than most people would be. We're going to be talking about Nelson Mandela, who was elected and sworn in as uh, South Africa's president in 1994. Can you give us a bit of background about why you are certainly an expert on Nelson Mandela? Well, I don't know that I'm necessarily an expert, but I can at least claim that um, I got to meet, had the great honour to meet Mandela on several occasions. I was uh, at the time uh, Australia's High Commissioner to Zambia and Malawi and uh, Ambassador to Angola. But my unofficial position with the Australian government was to be the unofficial ambassador to the African National Congress um, and to SWAPO, the liberation movement in Namibia. So um, the Lusaka, which is where I was based was where these movements were in exile. And therefore, when uh, Mandela was eventually released from prison, he came up uh, to uh, Lusaka to see the members of the ANC in exile and um, had a fantastic visit there. Um, There was a very memorable and famous occasion on which... uh, Mandela was at State House, which is where the president lived, and um, there was a meeting of people to greet him, including Yasser Arafat, who presented him with a gold sword encrusted with jewels, which was a very non-Mandela gift. And as people said, Mandela might have looked happier if he'd been presented with a dirty nappy than being presented with a (laughs) jewel-encrusted sword, which was not at all his style. Uh, Another very memorable occasion was the local school put on a play about Mandela at State House, and I got to sit behind Mandela as he watched a young man playing himself on the stage and he kept turning to his daughter and saying, no, 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 I wasn't like that at all. <laughs> oh, wow. You've, you, um, you've got a lot of stories to tell then, I can imagine. Um, from a, a political perspective, can you tell us a little bit why it's so significant that Nelson Mandela was even elected president or even considered for president in the first place? Well, obviously, 
South Africa had had a long history of apartheid, of having a minority white government. And for a very long period, I mean, I think when I was younger, I did not think that in my lifetime there would be a black government in South Africa. And so um, the, the, the massive change that occurred when, you know, what had been this minority white government, which was determined to hang on, as they say, like gloom death into being in charge. I mean, in the end, the other thing that people were never sure about was where, if there was a transfer of government, whether it would be peaceful. And a lot of people uh, were predicting that there would, in fact, be a civil war in South Africa, that there wouldn't be a peaceful transition. And so that was really the great miracle that, uh, that it was that the in the end, the white majority government released Mandela from prison where he'd been for over 25 years um, and that he, he gradually was able to move to a position where there would be an election and he would be elected president as head of the ANC. Um, all of this very peaceful and quite miraculous again to uh, many black South Africans who again had never thought that in their lifetimes they would actually get to elect the government. I mean, they'd been through a number of fairly fake elections, but they never had a real opportunity uh, to go to the ballot box and elect a government that was really going to be representative of the whole country. It's absolutely incredible. So what was the background leading up to this taking place? You said that it was peaceful. Um, what specifically had to take place to move South Africa from apartheid to having this election and a black president? Well, basically that the, the white government had to acknowledge that firstly that they'd have to let Mandela out of prison. And Obviously, they were take, taking a big leap that, that having been let out of, uh, of prison, uh, Mandela was going to be peaceful and not, not um, because for a lot of people who, 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 especially older white South Africans, you know, Mandela had been the bogeyman for so long. They thought of him as being a communist. They thought uh, as a rebel, as a revolutionary and so on. And even though to anybody seeing him as he walked out of prison holding hands with his wife in a very famous uh, photograph, um, the notion that he would be able to um, be peaceful. And as he said, when he walked out of prison, he, he said to himself, if he kept the bitterness in, in his heart about all the dreadful things that had happened to him and to the other people who had been in prison with him or who had actually died during the struggle, if he kept thinking about all these bad things, he wouldn't really be free. He might be physically free, but he wouldn't have cast off all the, the experience of being in prison. So he was a very forward-looking person. Um, he didn't you know, hang on to the bitterness of what had happened in the past. And by the same token, one has to give some credit to the white government, the leaders of the white government of the, at the time, who, who, who eventually realised that their time had come and that um, they weren't be, going to be able to stay in control. 
today perhaps many black South Africans would say, well, what did the whites have to fear? Because sadly, there have not been dramatic economic changes in South Africa. And there's still a massive uh, inequality in, in, in the wealth and the opportunities and the education available to, to blacks as opposed to whites. And although the uh, is is a black elite that has done very well and made money and the, the rest. Sadly, um, it is still true that conditions are far worse for blacks than they are for whites in South Africa. And many of the hopes that people had had, um, as people say, you can't eat a vote. You, um, and at, at present in South Africa, you've got the situation of COVID and you've got predominantly the black population where they're having to hand out food because people will starve if they don't do, do that. So that's an indicator of, of despite getting the vote, um, economic advantage uh, opportunities will, have been much harder to, to arrange and as I say, sadly, um, COVID has shown up many of the weaknesses of, of the government and the medical system in South Africa as it is now. You're listening to Throwback Thursday 1994, Nelson Mandela with Helen Ware from UNE. Up next, we have a song from 1994. It is I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Stick around. We'll be back shortly.
Welcome back to Throwback Thursday 1994, the election of Nelson Mandela with Helen Ware. Absolutely. And it is a, a tragic situation at the moment, as you said. Um, when Nelson Mandela was president, um, I think he's a, a globally renowned name. What kind of things did he accomplish in his time as president of South Africa? Well, I suppose one of the things that many people know about is the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was, in fact, headed by Arch Archbishop Desmond Tutu, which was the very interesting South African attempt at a solution to what was going to happen with respect to all uh, the evils of the past, particularly, you know, actual crimes that had been committed um, by the police in particular, but again, others as well, in what had happened in the past to um, to people who were perceived as being against the government. And the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was an extraordinary, actually enormous exercise in which people could come and testify to what had happened to them, how they'd been mistreated, how their relatives had been mistreated and so on. And to, if not, be able to wash away what had happened in the past, um, to look at, um, to have a hysterical, historical record of it. I mean, it's an interesting question now that, of course, a lot of people are talking with respect to Australia about whether we should have a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And I think many people uh, who, who are thinking about this are thinking about um, the South African uh, TRC as a possible model. Um, it's not a totally comparable situation here in Australia, but obviously there are many lessons that could be learned um, with respect to the South African example. Absolutely. That's a, that's a very big one. Um, his legacy expanded just out, outside of South Africa as well. He's not just renowned uh, within South Africa. What kind of things uh, did he do that led to him becoming such a, a worldwide figure? That's an interesting question. I mean, obviously he, he was a very significant African leader um, and uh, once he had become president, people were always asking him to intervene in uh, the, the sad number of civil wars that have occurred across, were underway across um, Africa. Uh, I think he, he's, Mandela really is two things. He, on the one hand, he, he was a real living person, um, you know, that walked the earth as it were. On the other hand, he, he was a symbol. Um, that that was what really made him outstanding, that if you said Mandela, people understood that this was a symbol of the ability to achieve peaceful change um, from what appeared to be originally an impossible situation. You know, somebody who'd been in prison so, for, for so long and um, a majority that took power without using any... Well, there were, there were violent incidents, but essentially it was a majority that took power by peaceful means, by, as it were, the force of argument um, rather than the force of arms.
that's very important as well. Do you think that there's something that we can be be learning from that in our leadership through a, a new kind of crisis today with COVID-19? Well, it's an in interesting th thought. Um, I mean, Mandela was not a bureaucrat. He was not um, somebody, you know, I can't imagine him giving a daily briefing on how many cases we had yesterday and <laughs> what. On the other hand, I, I think he would have been very inspirational in the sense of saying, look, we have to obey these rules in order to get through this terrible tragedy and this, you know, in, inspiring people uh, by his words. I mean, he, he, he was a very effective speaker um, and writer and inspiring people to, to do the right thing is a very important ability for any, any leader to have. And at the same time, he, he you know, he wasn't a sort of shouty leader or, a, you know, um, he had charisma. Um, and, and I, mean, it, he, I mean, he knew how important he was, but at the same time, he, he, he was, I don't know whether modest is the right word, but he was somebody who, who knew that he would just stand there and have an impact. He, he didn't need to yell or shout. Absolutely. I, th I think a couple of leaders that we uh, know of in the world today could learn from that, certainly. You're listening to Throwback Thursday 1994, the election of Nelson Mandela with Helen Ware. Don't forget to stick around. Plenty more to come, but we're going to go to another song break from 1994 now. It is Shoop by Salt and Pepper. Hey, yeah, I want shoop, baby. Shoop. The bow-legged one. <laughs> yeah. What's your name? Damn, baby. That sounds sexy. Uh, here I go. Here I go. Here I go again. Uh, Girls, yeah. what's my weakness? Yeah. Okay, then chillin', chillin'. Mindin' my business. Your souls, I looked around and I couldn't believe this. I swear, I stand. My niece, my witness. The brother had it going over something kind of uh, wicked, wicked. Had to kick it. I'm not shy, so I asked for the ditches. I hope no. Don't make me see what I want, slip, slide to it, whip me. Felt it in my hips, so I dip back to my bag of tricks. Then I flip forward, dip, made me want to do tricks. on them, lick them, like a lollipop should be lit. Came to my senses and I chill for a bit. Don't know how you do the voodoo that you do so well. It's a spell, hell, makes me want to shoot, shoot, shoot. Thank your mother for a butt like that. Can I get some fries with the shake, shake, booby? If looks could kill, you would be an easy or a shotgun bang. What's up with that thing? I wanna know, how does it hang? Straight up, wait up, hold up, Mr. Lover. Like Prince said, you're a sexy mother. Well, uh, I like them real wild. B-boy style by the miles. Who black skin with a smile? Bright as the sun, I wanna have some fun. Come and give me some of that yum, yum, chocolate chip, honey dip. Can I get a Baby, take a ride in my coupe. You make me wanna
to get your lips wet, cause it's time to have a pep. On your mark, get set, go, let me go, let me shoot to the next man in a three-piece suit. I spend all my dough, Ray me cutie, shoot, shoot a doobie, like Scooby Dooby do. I love you in your big jeans, you give me nice dreams, you make me wanna scream, ooh, ooh, I like what you do, when you do, what you do, you make me wanna shoot. Welcome back to Throwback Thursday 1994, the election of Nelson Mandela with Helen Ware. Um, going back to South Africa for a second, you mentioned, of course, um, apartheid and you mentioned that there was uh, a great hold on power by white South Africans up until that point. With the country potentially in such a position to have been so divided, how popular, were, how popular was Nelson Mandela? Was he divisive or was he very well received as president? Oh, I, th I think, well, I think <laughs> white South Africans heaved a sigh of relief and thought, oh, here we are and, you know, the sky has not fallen in uh, and um, my business is still going okay and so on and so forth. I, I, black South Africans felt that, um, you know, the miracle had been achieved. And, and in some ways, it... <laughs> the African National Congress, which was the party which Mandela led, was too successful. It would have been better if there had been also an effective black opposition party at the same time, because then people could have debated ideas and how you're going to do things. And, and as I've already hinted at, I think economically, um, the, the African National Congress and the subsequent governments. I mean, there's been the horror of Zuma, President Zuma, who was sort of corruption personified. In fact, they talked about him having achieved state capture, which is where you, and you're so corrupt that you've managed to infect the entire state. So if the ANC had actually been less successful and had had to um, do more to negotiate political power, it might well be that um, there wouldn't have been the same opportunities for for unchecked political corruption. And also, as I say, that people could have debated ideas about ways um, of how, how to run the country um, because, sadly, that was really the, the 
I mean, certainly Mandela was not an economist. I don't think he was even particularly interested in how you ran an economy. I think the assumption was that, you you know, you could have specialists and just leave them to do it, um, which only works if you know what you want the te- to tell the specialists to achieve. Um, and as, as I've indicated, well, the subsequent failure was to achieve better economic outcomes. Um, I mean, COVID is a terrible problem, but even before COVID, some estimates said that 40% of young people in, of young people in the Afri- African townships were unemployed. And, and oh. that's, you know, a terrible situation. Post-COVID, it may be indeed that 40% of all black Africans are unemployed, which again is unimaginable and horrendous. That is, that's uh, truly horrendous. And moving on, going on from that and taking those um, statistics into account, what do you think is the, the state of South African and African politics today and what needs to change there? Because obviously there's still some sort of an inequality and some sort of a problem. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a debate about whether you spend more effort in, on sharing the cake, cake or trying to make a bigger cake for people to share. Um, I think it, it, in the South African situation, there was really not enough emphasis on uh, sharing the cake in the sense of providing uh, resources for the poorest South Africans, education, water, um, electricity, uh, basic supplies, um, and having a situation where, where there was enough employment. This is a universal African problem, uh, and sadly it may become an Australian problem too. Uh, in the modern economy, how do you provide enough jobs, especially for young people? And the reason why you have lots of civil wars in, in, in Africa, amongst that many other things, is the fact that you've got lots of particularly young men standing around on street corners with absolutely nothing to do, and, and no prospect and no hope. And um, I always remember interviewing <laughs> A young man with a machine gun who said, "This is the first piece of modern equipment I've ever had in my life." I'm sure if somebody had given him a nice motor bicycle, he would have been equally happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it's that failure to be able to deliver in that that sense that um, is is a problem for South Africa and for many other countries in Africa. I mean, even if they have mines and so on, the amount of, and, and the South, and this is another problem for South Africa, that the mines are actually running out. Um, so, uh, and of course, they're becoming increasingly mechanized. So they don't need a lot of labor. So once again, you know, um, the same is true, of course, of modern agriculture. It doesn't employ large numbers of people. So, you know, short of picking strawberries, it's not very labor-intensive. So this this is a major problem, which, as I say, I think Australia may be seeing something more of, sadly. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Helen. It's uh, It's been a pleasure to have you and to have your wonderful insight on uh, Nelson Mandela and the legacy that he's left as we look back on the year 1994. And uh, I, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. Don't forget to join us next week as we move on to the year 1995.